You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Our guest on Preaching Source today is Dr. Carl Bradford. He is an uh, instructor and soon to be, prof- or may by the time the podcast goes out, may be the professor of, in evangelism and uh, church planting in the Roy Fish School of Evangelism. Uh, and we love Brother Carl. He's a freshly minted PhD, having written his, his uh, dissertation on preaching of the early church. And uh, he's a great guy, and we're delighted to have him here today to talk about evangelism. Brother Carl, welcome. Welcome. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here. Uh, okay, just right off the top, uh, who and you, evangelism is your field. And you are have been are an evangelist. Uh, so, who's the greatest evangelist in Christian history? The greatest evangelism in Christian history, no doubt, is no other than um, the Billy Graham. Yes, okay, Billy why? Graham. Why Billy Graham? Billy Graham. Um, here's a guy who, 80 years of um, of ministry, has witnessed and evangelized over 215 million people, 185 countries. And um, one of the things I admire about him is the most. It kind of sets him apart from a lot of other evangelists and guys that have been in ministry. There's, um, while we're all, none of us are perfect, and um, he, there is no known egregious sin that, that he's been involved with. Um, you know, early on, he's uh, made up in his mind not to be along with women and uh, not to uh, be caught with his hand in, in, in the cooking jar to cash and things like that. And so I think that he was just a guy that um, committed to God and, um, showed that integrity and kept to the word of God, and so that's why I'm, I'm so impressed. And also, I have a, a personal stock in it because when I um, accepted Christ in 2001 at 21 years of age, um, church was canceled for some reason on a Wednesday night, and I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at this television, and um, I see this. Uh, it's a color television. It's a, a black and white show come up, picture comes up, and I'm like, who's this old guy? from years ago, who's this guy from years ago who is on this, this television? So I, I take a couple of moments and I listen to him and this guy continues to say, and the Bible says, and the Bible says, and one day you're going to have to answer for the man Jesus Christ. And I, was like, and I say, I want to do what that guy is doing. And lo and behold, that was Billy Graham. Oh my goodness. Uh, Carl, when you think of the uh, the uh, the great evangelistic preachers, what what is it about their preaching that that makes them excel in evangelism? What what are those those qualities that that really make the great evangelist great evangelists? Number one, um, some of the things that I talked about with um, with um, Billy Graham, I think um, their their integrity, their personal life, the guys they have passion. Um, their integrity and their personal life. And so here's a guy when he's preaching, um, it's not, um, his, his life is not contradictory to what he's saying. And so you are drawn in, you're captivated by that. But not only that, these guys seem to, when I look at the evangelists and revivalists over the years, they seem to be men of prayer, men that seek God's will for their life, um, men of faith, believe that um, God is going to bless his work um, the preaching of his word, and they're going to see people come um, um, to Christ. And so I just um, thank Billy Graham for that and those guys that are that are like that, committed to God, committed to their family, and committed to ministry. Mm. Wow. Now, it's it's interesting. Uh, you, you, would, uh, you would think that, uh, you know, 
someone might answer, well, they, uh, they're great preachers. They have great rhetorical skills. They're, they're great sermonizers. But instead, you, you just things like integrity and faith and, yeah. and prayer. Uh, I, I, that's interesting that you see those as, as being the deep well that, that good evangelistic fervor comes out of. Yeah, because I, I think a lot of guys can be talented. Okay. And a lot of guys can can have can be um, good, great pontificators. But um, I think the thing that the Lord blesses is obviously that God's personal life, His integrity, and as well as I've I've seen guys before that be great preachers, but knowing their background and knowing things that they have been involved in or felt short to, and, and none of us are, are perfect, that that has been a hindrance to being able to re- receive the message from them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I, I want to talk about your dissertation just a little bit, and or or not well specifically, not specifically about that, but just the general feel. You, you've uh, uh, devoted a lot of your uh, scholastic attention to the charisma of the early church, and you know we think of of some of those powerful verbs of the New Testament, uh, Caruso for preaching. Uh, but the scholars debate uh, the first century application of, of some of these words. So I'd enlighten us there yes, sir. Of, of yes, that, sir. in that discussion, that debate. Yes, sir. Uh, well, primarily, um, historically, there's been two schools. There's been um, the British interpretive school, charismatic school of interpretation, and there's been the German interpretive school. Um, the first one, the British interpretive school, is, is led by um, New Testament scholar C.H. Dodd. And um, the German school is led by um, Rudolf Boltmann. Now, um, both schools are termed British and German thus uh, because scholarship largely have come from that particular area. But one of the things that separates them, uh, particularly when you look at the nature of preaching, those within the British school, um, C.H. Dodd and others, they understand the first century church, their proclamation to have um, emphasized content in their preaching. So Jesus Christ died Jesus Christ died for our sins, raised on the third day. He's the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Those type of things, those particular thing, content uh, pieces that they see over and over, maybe in the book of Acts. Whereas with um, the German school, they saw emphasized the act of preaching itself. They felt like when the proclamation went forward, their the the focus was on the act of preaching and there was a Christ of faith that was being preached. Now, there are other um, areas that um, divide them as well, that separate them. For example, um, the view of Christ. The view of Christ, um, the British school would see that as a historical Christ, focusing on content. When the first century preached, uh, proclaimed Christ, they were focused on the historical aspects of Christ, that he lived, that he died, those type of things. And whereas the German school would focus on um, this this mystical Christ that um, this this faith of Christ um, that they were they were confident they were convicted that you couldn't really be sure um, that of all the things you saw in the New Testament being form criticism and so therefore they felt that you have to pull back all of the the mystical stuff in the Bible what they what they saw as mystical and they were left with fragments where um, the British school was left with um, content yeah hmm. okay. Uh, Dr. Bradford, you're yes, new to our faculty, uh, and, but you, and your most recent experience comes out of the local church. What uh, 
What advice or counsel uh, do you have for local church pastors on, on keeping the task of evangelism alive and well in, in their own congregation? Yes, sir. When, when, I, when I sit down with any um, pastor, my first advice is to have uh, maybe a three-phase part to the evangelistic program. And those phases, I've seen this somewhere. I can't remember where I've seen it. And so I've been using it long enough now that I'm going to make it my, my own. <laughs> but it's um, to be vocal, to have their evangelistic program, to be vocal, to be visual, and to be viable. Um, vocal, that pastor needs to always um, mention and be talking and talking up the idea of evangelism, whether it be from the pulpit in his preaching, whether it be... Um, events that have uh, went on in the church, evangelistic events, or those that are in the congregation that have shared and won people to Christ or just been obedient for their efforts. So number one should be vocal. Then second, it should be visual. Um, the church should see the staff and more importantly than anyone, the pastor behind evangelism. Uh, what happens at the pulpit and what they see mimic from the person at the pulpit, ultimately the church will follow. So I believe that the pastor needs to be involved in evangelism and the church needs to see that. And lastly, it needs to be viable. It needs to be viable because um, there'll be many in the congregation that would say, well, I don't do that type of evangelism. I don't knock on doors. I don't do that type of evangelism. Well, uh, we want to provide as many opportunities as we can for evangelism, number one, to stop the excuses and to make people feel comfortable in carrying out evangelism. And it's something that they feel everybody can do, whether that be an event, uh, promoting them to do evangelism in the marketplace on their jobs and things like that, but getting them involved in evangelism anyway and anyhow. Mm. Uh, Carl, uh, because you're a part of, of, of us here at Southwestern, you're, you share our passion for text-driven yes, preaching and, and where the, you, you start with the text and you develop the text and you end with the text. Uh, and, uh, I mean, not every text in Scripture obviously is about evangelism, but, but how, what can a pastor do to, uh, to preach any text, at, at least with an evangelistic slant or an evangelistic application? How, how do we do that? Yes, sir. I think um, what you said, um, I'm committed to um, text-driven um, preaching, but I believe a lot of times what, what, what preachers do in their efforts to be committed to evangelistic preaching um, they deal with the text, and they don't realize that every issue we preach, every theme that we preach of, about that text or what's in that text is ultimately going out to a person who has accepted Jesus Christ and so is conforming them more to the image of Jesus Christ. But as well, there is a person that is sitting nearby that has never accepted Christ. They cannot do those things because they have not accepted Christ. So in that way, um, to make it applicable to the unbeliever, uh, maybe when they're ending in their invitation, they are bringing that awareness that what I've been preaching on, what I've been, what the, the text is calling us to do today, we can only do, do through the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. But there's some of you that cannot do that today because you have never made that decision to accept Jesus Christ. So I think uh, to be evangelistic and to make every sermon evangelistic is, number one, it's, it's really in our invitations and not have a an um, a invitation that's the same every time, but to make it applicable and to make it derive out of that text to be text-driven. Carl, that's powerful, uh, and I, but I 
that's powerful to me. I'm, I'm making a note in my mind to say, oh, wow, uh, you just gave me a way that I can preach any text evangelistically. Yes, and now, you know, you we're reluctant to tell people what they can't do, right, right. Uh, but what you've just laid out for me, you've turned the light on for me, say, hey, sometimes the most compassionate thing I can do for a lost person is to tell him what he can't do yes. until... He does something else. Until he does something else. <laughs> so he does the best thing. Exactly. Oh, man, that is, that is great. Um, uh, Carl, we, we didn't uh, talk ahead of time about this question, but I, I, I just I, I feel led to ask you. Uh, for our listeners who don't know you, uh, uh, Carl's an African-American man. Uh, we live in an interesting time. In, in the history of the Southern Baptist Convention, you know, we look back and, and we grimace a bit uh, when we look back, uh, sometimes grimace a lot when we think of uh, our convention is old enough that it went through the period of, of, uh, of African-American slavery in the United States. And, uh, and our convention, you know, had, well, our, we have seminaries founded by slave owners. So uh, we, we've come a long way from that, and uh, we talked a bit. You're from New Orleans, and so you know uh, Fred Luter, the first African-American elected president of our convention. What, just, do you have any thoughts on just uh, on s- to Southern Baptists at large on, on how we keep making progress in, in reflecting in our churches and in our lives that kind of, of racial unity that certainly Paul talked about when he said, there's no Jew, there's no Greek, you know, uh, but all are one in Christ. So any yeah, thoughts yeah. on that to, yeah, to help, the, help that conversation yeah, along? Yeah, this is a conversation that comes up a lot with um, some of the guys I'm, I'm conversing with. And um, I'll start with um, African-Americans because I'm, I'm, I am an African-American. And the reason why I'm starting there, because I believe when you look in Scripture, you always start with yourself. And so I think, number one, we have to realize there has been a past in this country of um, um, racism and things like that. But I think we have to forgive, particularly forgive our, our brothers who are, are, are calling themselves on followers of, of Jesus Christ. And so we come to the table and so we forgive. So we don't, bring, we don't continue to bring up what has happened. There's been hurt. I think there's been apologies from our brothers. And so... We, we, we get over that, and now we look forward to what we, can we do going forward. And so I think uh, I would say on the other side um, um, that uh, our Anglo brothers would um, make a conscious decision to, because a lot of their friends they have made over the years are of that same particular ethnicity. And so I think they have to do a, uh, make a, um, a concerted effort to find those African-American guys that are Southern Baptists, like-minded, but are qualified. And so um, there's going to have to be a concerted effort just to look past the guys that they know because for so long their um, circles of influence and the people that they know are of the same ethnicity. And that's, you know, it's, it just happened the same way with myself before coming to um, Southwestern and meeting some of um, my friends here. A lot of my circle was largely African-American. So if you had given me any opportunity to give to one, I would have turned to an African American and say, here's the opportunity. Well, understanding that um, we're all um, one body, and so I think there just has to be a concerted effort on the part of all of us to, to reach across ethnicity, love what our brother love, if he hurts, we hurt as well, and that's how we go forward. You know, I've, I've often thought that genuine 
deep friendships do more than than any programs yes. uh, are you know could. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Well, let me uh, wrap up by saying: Are are there uh, books or resources that you would uh, recommend to our listeners who want to learn more about evangelistic preaching and about the context, historical context of evangelistic preaching? Yeah. Um, number one, if you're going to look at revivalism and, and kind of evangelistic preaching and revivalism, I would look at a book uh, called Firefall by um, Malcolm McDowell and um, Elvin Reed. And so that'll kind of be the historical context of that. Also, I would say a good um, a good discipline to do is just to watch preachers, period. Watch preachers, learn and look and see if they're being text-driven, um, see how they're ending those um, sermons, if they're evangelistic or not. And I think for the young preacher and for those that are want to learn more about preaching, um, that, that's a great way to just look at people, to, be, to see what's going on, and see those guys that are actually being faithful for, to the text and being faithful to calling unbelievers to Jesus Christ. Our guest on Preaching Source today has been Dr. Carl Bradford. He's part of the Fish School of Evangelism and Missions at Southwestern Seminary. Carl, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, sir, for having me.